Well, good morning again. And uh, listen, I don't know uh, if you've ever been in quite a worship time like that one. Uh, or maybe it's been a very long time, to say the least. You know, we, when we worship, we get after it. Because we are worshiping the God who we truly believe is above all things. You know, so we don't just kind of passively hang out and have a little sing song, you know. We're actually believing that the God of the universe is present and able to work in our stories and in our families. And uh, so, man, thank you for getting after it today and being together, joining with us, whether you're in the sanctuary, I see you out in the courtyard, yay, and uh, for all of you online, we greet you and we are so thankful that you're here with us today. Hey, we're in this series right now called Strong at Home, and we're tracking the story of Nehemiah, who is one of the characters in the Old Testament. You can find the book of Nehemiah if you flip back uh, towards the uh, beginning portion of Scripture. And where we left Nehemiah last week, they had begun rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem, the walls around the city that would help to keep the enemy out and keep the people and the inhabitants safe. And so they were busy rebuilding the walls, but they found out that their enemies, uh, believe it or not, just because you're doing the right thing doesn't mean that you won't have enemies. Uh, we do believe that there is a hell and that, the, that there is Satan who is out to get us uh, to kill, to steal, and destroy, as Jesus said. And so we, we find a real parallel between the stories that we're learning uh, in Nehemiah to what we experience in our, in our own day-to-day lives, in our homes. How they became strong at home, we can learn also how we can become strong at home. So when they found that they were really going to be under attack, that the enemy was planning an attack against them, it says that they prayed and they guarded the city. They did two things. They prayed. They turned to God, but they also said, hey, we know we have a responsibility here to guard. It's that, it's that doing the natural and the supernatural. It's that combination when we're people of faith to say we don't only do spiritual things, we do natural things. So we pray and we guard against the attacks that would come against us. So they said we are going to be faithful in this, but guess what? Just because they were intending to be faithful, to pray and to guard, it didn't stop the enemy. The enemy again planned an attack because they were so upset that they were actually rebuilding strength into their homeland and their community. And this is no surprise to us because we experienced this as well. When we're being faithful, we don't anticipate that hell is going to start playing nice, right? It's like sometimes I think the more faithful we are, the more strong we face opposition against us. So we come to this part of the story. They find that, man, we're going to be faithful. We're rebuilding, but the enemy is still planning an attack. And so Nehemiah gathers the people, and we pick up again in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. And it says, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, like he gathered everybody, and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Now listen to what he says. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He says this, he says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. You know what? I believe that he was reminding them to remember because it is so easy to forget. It is so easy, especially when life gets messy, especially when we're under attack. Guess what we can do? We can forget 
the Lord. And so he says, first thing he says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Because when we're under attack, we can just so simply forget that we are people who desperately need God's help. And we can forget what life would have been like if we didn't have his help in our stories. If we had never experienced God's salvation. If we'd never experienced his rescue. If we'd never experienced his power and the freedom that has come, the healing that we've experienced because of God. And he's saying, hey, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. When it says here to remember, Nehemiah is not talking about some like casual little like passing remembrance, you know, like, like when we kind of think back to an old story, you know. Hey, Tim, remember that time that you saw blood and you passed out? <laughs> true story, actually. It's a true story. He's not talking about that kind of remembrance. He's, he's calling them to a remembrance of something that is much more deep and profound. It's calling for this actful mindfulness, this active mindfulness, telling them to remember the stories of God's faithfulness. Remember the Lord. This is like in another place where Moses reminded the people to remember. It's in Deuteronomy 5.15. Check this out. This is, what, this is what Moses had told to the people of God. He said, remember. Would you say that word with me? Remember that you were once slaves. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. And guess what? The Jews, they did remember this. They remembered their slavery and the freedom that God brought because you know what? They commemorated it. In fact, even to this day, thousands of years later, they are still heeding Moses' instruction to remember. Remember that you were slaves and remember what God did to free you. It's called the Passover. They commemorate what God did thousands of years ago still to this day. It's coming up in just a month. It's the Passover season, a week-long commemoration of what God did in their stories. Why? So they'll never forget. Listen, we remember what we commemorate. Right? Listen to that word, commemorate. Right in the middle of that word is memory. We remember what we commemorate. What does it mean to commemorate something? It means to like give honor to a memory. It's honoring that memory. Just yesterday, I was at a memorial service where we commemorated the life of Pat Higgins. Some of you would recognize that name because for decades, Pat served faithfully at this church. They've moved away, and, and man, family gathered back here, and just yesterday we were able to, to gather and commemorate his life. But listen, we don't just commemorate people. We commemorate the Lord. Remember the Lord, great and glorious. How do we commemorate the Lord? We commemorate him every time we take communion. Because we are remembering what Jesus did on the cross. It's not just like, ah, oh, yeah, there was this thing a couple thousand years ago that a guy did hung on a cross. No, we like commemorate it. We honor the memory of what Jesus did for us. We also commemorate his resurrection. It's coming up in just over a month because we are going to celebrate Easter together. It is the commemoration that not only did Jesus die, but man, he rose again miraculously and powerfully. Death could not hold him. And we commemorate that every year. But you know what? In our homes, we have opportunity to commemorate Jesus every day. 
You know, even the simple act of praying around a table before we eat, you know what we're doing? We are commemorating Jesus, who is the Lord who supplies all I need. So whether we do it in small daily ways or we do it in maybe weekly or monthly uh, commemorations around the Lord's table or whether it's those annual events like Easter or Christmas or, or other special celebrations. Some people throw a birthday party for the day that they put their trust in Jesus, right? This is my spiritual birthday because some people just have that ink so powerfully, that date in their mind. It is a commemoration because we remember what we commemorate. Is that good? But what Nehemiah said, he didn't stop there just saying, remember the Lord. He said this. He said, remember the Lord and fight. I love this. It's kind of an echo of what we were talking about last week where he said, pray and guard, right? Now here he's saying, remember the Lord and fight. He said, remember the Lord who's great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Woo! Listen, this, this concept of fighting, though, it's like, really? As followers of Jesus, didn't, didn't Jesus say he came in peace? And like, man, what, what's this deal with fighting? It just sounds like yeah, that, that, that's not what we're about, right? We're not supposed to be fighters. Hey, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you learn to fight, but you learn to fight in whole new ways. Listen to these few passages. I'm just going to share a few little snippets, these little ideas that we read in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy 6.12, we read that we are to fight the good fight, right? Not the bad fight, not the way that we used to fight, not in a way that is to bring pain or destruction. We're to fight in a new way. We're to fight the good fight. In 2 Corinthians 6, 7, we're told that we use the weapons of righteousness. In other words, we're not bringing pain and destruction when we fight. We're actually fighting to bring the light of Jesus into a very dark world. So we fight with the weapons of righteousness. And then in Ephesians 6, 12, we're reminded of this, that we're not fighting against people. It says we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Our fight is not with other people because that's how we used to fight, right? It's like, man, that person who's out to get me or that person I don't like or I don't like the way they talk or the way they smell or whatever, right? It's like our fight was with people. But now we're told as followers of Jesus, our fight isn't against people. And it goes on in that passage to say, but we fight against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Just like remembering is not to be some passive activity, but the word to engage it actively, it's the same with the fight that we're called to. We are to called to actively engage the battle. And it is a battle. We were just reminded that we're fighting against the powers of hell itself. But guess what? This is what God has promised us. In Romans 8:37, that overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Right? So it's it's a real battle and we're to actively engage it. And I love what what Nehemiah says here because he even says who we should be fighting for. And he says this, he says, right, fight for your, your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I love that. In order to be strong at home, we have to fight for what 
matters. What did this look like for Nehemiah and for those that he was calling to action to remember the Lord and to fight? In verse 17 of that same chapter, chapter 4, right after this call, right? This is what it says. He says, the laborers then carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and, 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 the, uh, and one hand holding a weapon. I love this. In one hand, they were supporting their load and in the other hand, they were supporting a weapon. And I just get this picture. I mean, it says it right there. I've got a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. I am, in other words, I am ready to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be facing today. Maybe I'm going to get the opportunity to actually lay some brick here on this wall. Maybe I'm actually going to get the opportunity to to build something. But you know what? If the enemy comes in and tries to steal away what God has given me to protect, not today, Satan, right? Because I don't just got a trowel. I got a trowel and I got a sword. So whatever, whatever you bring, I'm ready. In one hand... We're carrying the load, and the other hand, we're carrying a weapon. We pray and we guard. We remember the Lord and we fight. And that's what we're told here. And I love this picture of this, the trowel and the sword, because there, it, it's just this picture that we're not living life casually. This is not business as usual. There is this call here, I believe, from Nehemiah that comes thousands of years prophetically into our reality today, that we need to be alert and we need to be ready, right? You, you, don't, you don't just have a sword in your hand without a certain level of alertness. Like there's a real enemy. Things have been so challenging over this past year, and I know that the enemy would really want to come and do harm to my home. And so I'm going to be alert to that reality. But I'm going to be ready with that trowel to rebuild and to actively engage whatever it takes in order to build strength back in to this, to this place where God has given me influence in my home and with my family. And when it comes to fighting for our family, this has to do with the relational wall that God has built into all of our lives that is meant to be there to offer protection for us. We have all kinds of different relationships. Next week, we're going to circle back to the same conversation about these rebuilding, rebuilding the relational walls, and we're going to talk about our marriages, which is going to be good whether you're married or not. Uh, because, listen, marriage is such an important part of this relational wall. But today, we're going to take some minutes and we're going to talk about what Nehemiah said to fight for your kids, for your sons, and for your daughters. So we're going to take just a few minutes now and, and talk about this part of the relational wall. Remember the Lord and fight for your sons and for your daughters. So I wanted to tell you as a pastor, probably one of the things that has been the heaviest on my heart throughout 2020 and looking right now into 2021 is our kids, the next generations. I believe that, that really through this whole pandemic that one of the things beyond just a, a virus who would, that would infect bodies and make us sick and take the lives of some that there are other ulterior motives that, that hell is trying to, to get advantage in our lives and to tear us down and to rip us apart during this time. And I think that that is so true when it comes to the next generation, whether it's children, whether it's youth, whether it's young adults, but that next generation, I believe that the enemy would really want to put a target on their backs during this season because you're loved by God. Each one of you today that represents this next generation, I'm so glad that we got a bunch in the house today. 
Because hell hates you. But he's also given you a family to be within that is to build that wall that is to protect you and to protect your home. I believe that there's at least, reflecting on this, at least two reasons why I believe this has been so weighty on my heart. And while we know that the virus does not uh, tend to impact uh, children and youth the same way that it impacts, you know, an older generation, they are just as susceptible to all the other factors that this pandemic has brought. All the things that have, have impacted moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, and, you know, all of us who are older, man, they have been so impacted just right along with us. But I think that there are at least two reasons that we need to be concerned. We need to be alert and ready when it comes to the next generation, because I believe there's at least two factors that could make it even substantially more difficult and challenging for children and for youth. One is that this, is that the pandemic has consumed a much larger percentage of their life than it has for those of us who are older. Listen, if you're at least 50 years old, the pandemic has consumed 2% of your life, right? If you're 50, a year has been 2% of your life. Okay, well, I got 98% of the rest of my life to, to like, I've built up some life experiences ready to kind of handle difficulties that will be thrown my way. Think about a 10-year-old. This has taken a tenth of their life, and they probably don't even remember those first couple years anyway. So this has consumed a huge percentage of a young person's life. Like when they think about their life story, this is going to be much more uh, profound than it is for someone who is older. The second thing is, is that young people are in a stage of life that God designed for them to be building in their patterns of thinking, right, of perceiving reality, and of relating to the world around them. And that has been so influenced now by this weird and crazy year that we have experienced together. I mean, look at us. Even those who are gathered in this room were socially distanced by households, Everybody that's not up here, either speaking or singing, is wearing masks, right? We're, we're not seeing each other as clearly, and we're farther apart to begin with. How might that impact the emerging generations? Friends, I want to tell you, I have deep concerns, and that's why we're talking today about these realities. I think one of the biggest impacts on all of us but particularly the emerging generations, has to do with the isolation that we've all experienced. Being apart, being masked, and you know what it's like as an adult, but listen, let's just think for a moment what it's like for a young person. So many of them have been removed from all of their normal social networks that they rely on, and you know, not just hanging out with their friends, which is hugely important, but being around their teachers in a one-on-one -on -one personal way and being around their peers in a school environment. And you know what? We've been told by our county, right, that at this point we're still not uh, to gather children and, uh, you know, away from their parents or guardians. So we've been told, you know, and I'm, man, I'm glad to see so many kids in the house today. Because, but as soon as we are able, we will be rejoining that so that our kids can be with their peers and their mentors here to be mentored in the ways of Jesus. But those, those normal social interactions have been removed in a push towards isolation. And one of the things that has most replaced social interaction has been screens. And so when we think about the way that our our children in the next generation are developing their ways of, of thinking and perceiving life and relating to the world around them. And believe me, I'm not against screens. But could they have an impact in our kids? Could it be something that we as parents, as leaders, as guardians really need to help to help figure out and moderate in their lives? I believe this is critical for us. And rather than just like me 
talk about this. I want to just reflect for a moment on an article that came out last, uh, last month in the New York Times. And in this article, it was talking about uh, the impacts on children of the coronavirus. It started this way. It said, nearly a year into the coronavirus pandemic, parents across the country and the world are watching their children slide down an increasingly slippery path into an all-consuming digital life. And it, it says in the article that, that basically there has been a doubling of the amount of time that young people are on screens. It was already significant, by the way, but in this past year that it is, it is doubled. And I was captured by this one part of the article, and it quotes somebody, his name is Dr. Dimitri Christakis, the director of the Center for Child Health, Behavior, and Development at Seattle's Children's Research Institute. And he said, what we've experienced over this last year, he says, has been a gift to technology companies. This has been a gift to technology companies. We have given them a captive audience, our children. I mean, I just want you to think about that. You know, when you think about, you know, back in centuries ago, that there were pagan societies who, who literally offered their children, you know, to false gods, like to consume them with fire, the gods of Molech. And, and it's like how perverse and wrong. And yet here is someone stating this, that we have given them a captive audience, our children. And it goes on and says the cost will be borne by families Dr. Christakis said, because increased online use is associated with anxiety, depression, obesity, and aggression, and addiction to the medium itself. So like the more we consume screens, right, the more they can consume us. And listen, it's not just screens, to bring this. I mean, this is just a pointed reminder of what this next generation is facing. But to kind of keep going in this conversation, I want to introduce you to a couple of really good friends of mine. I've known them for decades, and I'm going to invite up here um, to the stage with me Ralph and Kathleen Hernandez, because the next generation is not only what they do in their home, this is what they do as a ministry. Would you welcome, say hello to Ralph and Kathleen Hernandez. Man, what an honor it is to have you guys here. And uh, I, I know we're going to just tell a little bit of story here over the next minutes. But you guys lead a ministry. In fact, it's right there, Kathleen, right on your shirt. Be Strong Life. And that's right here in our community. And uh, I would love for you to help introduce our congregation to those who might not have ever heard of Be Strong Life. What's that all about? Well, first of all. Is your mic on? We are, yep, we're good. Push that button all the way up. There we go. All these things, okay. Hey, Ralph's here. All right. Well, first of all, so awesome to be here. What an amazing morning of worship. Great job, worship team. Amen. And just uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Kelly, thank you so much for having us here this morning. What an opportunity to be able to share the wonderful uh, uh, things that we do that is near and dear to our hearts, yeah. which working with young people. Yeah. You know, that is a subject that we will never grow tired of. And so uh, some of the things that we do for Be Strong Life was based on a, um, well, first of all, Kathleen and I have worked for 25 years plus with young people. Yeah, and I know that. Let me tell you, we started here, and I don't know if you know this, Pastor Tim, Absolutely as, a, as I an do. intern uh, here at San Maria Foursquare yeah. years ago. And I just got a little bit of gray hair, but, you know, I'm still young. But uh, working with young people here, and what, what a legacy, an opportunity where it started right here, right here. what we have done yeah. uh, with Be Strong Life. Praise the Lord. We actually met here at Santa Maria Four Square. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. A, I love that. You got married Very here. Cool. So and, and when, you, when, you, when you young people like look around the room, like they found their forever spouse right here. Yeah, so don't leave. Right? Don't leave church. You'll find them here. Yeah, or you her. never know. You never know. <laughs> so. 
But uh, so basically, uh, we've been working with young people for 25 plus years. And, uh, and so then afterwards, um, Kathleen and I have been uh, associate pastors. Yeah. And we have, for the last four years, been working uh, full time with uh, a ministry called Be Strong Life, as we've talked about. Uh, so it's a nonprofit. Uh, yeah. The Lord had called us away from full-time ministry and to look into uh, doing a ministry on campus. Yeah. And so with that, um, let me just... Well, you've got a video, I think, that's going like, to yeah. help to show yeah, so actually let's share that. what you do. Yeah, so let's share that. Yeah, go, go right ahead. Let's show the video. In just the last week, anywhere between 50 to 100 students received Jesus through a prayer of salvation. Where did this occur? A special church camp? Youth service after church? A special Bible study? No. This is your public high school, right here in the state of California, the heart of San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties. This is a meeting of Be Strong Life Campus Clubs, Catching Fire, and Public Schools. Yeah. How do we do this? Strategic and intentional prayer. The entry point is a lunchtime campus club. The goal? to immerse ourselves in the culture and heartbeat of the campus by adopting campus and community. It goes by really fast. You have to pack into 30 minutes, good interactive time with the students. Uh, in that time, we give a great message and uh, prayer, and we just watch great things happen. While the end goal is students committing their lives to Jesus, we infuse our meetings with leadership principles. We speak to their identity and purpose. A key ingredient to a successful club on campus is not about games, videos, or even having a great speaker speak. But we come and build relationship with the students and faculty. We find out what their needs are and meet them. Be Strong Life provides thousands of hours of community service to students, a graduation requirement for many school districts. Through acts of service both on and off campus, we build trust and the confidence of the administrators and the community. Hosting holiday events is one way to bring the gospel in palatable ways to an unchurched region. To accomplish this goal of community transformation, we cannot do this alone, but it must be through partnering with churches, individuals, and business leaders who together bring volunteers, resources, and finances to claim and occupy more territory for the kingdom of God. So obviously yes. that, that is prior to COVID. And so we're doing it differently now, but we're still con connected with the uh, ministry. So our ministry, the ministry is based on Ephesians 6.10, which is be strong in the Lord and the, and the power of his strength. Amen. Yeah, it's right here. <laughs> Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, mighty power. So essentially, uh, as you saw a little bit there, we do adopt the campus and we adopt the community. And by that, we mean that we look for ways to invest in the campus. We find a need and we fill it. So what that means is, is that we are expanding the scope beyond what we do in that lunchtime campus club. And it could involve things like landscaping projects, painting projects, teacher appreciation luncheons, um, Valentine giveaways, student scholarships, um, again, community service hours. And generally, we also uh, are invited from time to time from school counselors to have special mentoring sessions with students. I love that. And, and you saw some of those high schools. You guys are active right here around us. And in fact, what you may not know is that every single month for the past, I think probably about two years, um, our church has been a financial contributor to Be Strong Life and uh, to this ministry. So when you saw like kids getting pizza at lunch and that sort of a thing, that came, part of that came from your financial contributions and gifts. This is one of the several local ministries that we help to fund every single month. So thank you for giving Amazing. because you were a part of this even though you may not have known. And Isn't that awesome? That, we have seen over 600 young people come to the Lord on these campuses and seen numerous healings that are taking place because when we're on campus, we are talking about Jesus. Yeah. And the majority of the students that are there are 
unchurched young people. And you might ask, well, how do you know, Pastor Ralph? It's because one day I thought, well, let's check and see how many of these young people are church kids or unchurched kids. 120 kids are in class or at, at our club. And I just happened to ask them, how many of you are, are in youth group or go to church? And we had eight kids raise their hand. The majority of the kids were unchurched. Out of 120. Kids, out of 120 that kids. That's remarkable. So we are, we are definitely making a difference. You are making a difference. And we so, yes, appreciate it. We could not do this without the support of businesses, churches, and those that will sponsor. And the big draw is pizza and prizes. Sure. But really, they stay for relationship and because they experience the power and presence of God. Amen. We, we as Ralph just mentioned, when we're in club, we have brought, you know, special speakers as well. But we really want to talk to them that there's there's relationship that yep. you can have with Jesus. So let me, let me just pause there because you guys don't just have relationship with the next generation in schools. Uh, you also have relationship with young people in your own home uh, because you, uh, young lady, have, have a child who is how old? Well, she just turned 13. Woo! <laughs> so you're a mom and a dad. You're living what we're talking about right yes. here. In fact, the, the small, smiling little girl at, at the, the very end, end <laughs> serving pizza, that was our oh, daughter. Oh, I love that. She, she dropped so in good. one day to help us with club. So, so good. Yes, so it's been very real for our household. We also have a 25-year-old son yeah. who ended up landing in our home as well during COVID. <laughs> so as we have, have the 25-year-old and the 13-year-old at the moment. So. So, let me, so let me pose a couple of questions to you, because this is what you do. You live this um, with the next generation. So first question is simply, how have you seen young people being impacted by everything that we as adults have experienced over this last year? What is kind of the, some of the uniquenesses maybe or, or things that you've seen? So because we're meeting with these young people and uh, on Zoom now, and it, it just took, we're seeing a lot of emotional uh, 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 just hardship with these young people that basically are calling us up, yeah. you know, or texting us and saying how depressed they feel, how uh, they're, they're lonely, they, they wish they could be with their friends. Yeah. And so uh, that gives us opportunity to not only uh, we see that with them, but parents. I mean, we know that parents are going through their struggles because they're seeing their young people walk this thing out. Yeah, they're feeling very needy right now. Um, if you have smaller children, you may have noticed that they're cling-ons, you know, they're <laughs> clinging to your legs. Or um, Now, my daughter's, you know, like I say, she's 13, but uh, what we noticed over the year is that she is constantly like, Mom, give me a hug, give me a hug. Uh, you know, do you love me? I yeah. love you, I love you. So, uh, there's just a lot of affirmation required because they, they need to feel that security and that, that they're safe. Yeah. So when this so. first started them being online, we noticed that our daughter, was, uh, she was online all day long. And then when she was done with her class, I mean, she would basically lay down in her bed and pass out. Yeah. Just was like she had to take a nap. Never seen her. this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just overwhelming. Uh, very overwhelming. And she's very, you know, she's a very good student, but she needed a lot of support. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I know we're going to talk about, uh, you know, ways to redress that. Yeah. But I, I want to say too, even like older students. Um, I had a mom that called me a number of months ago, and her son was a top student in high school got a great um, scholarship to go to a number one university in the state of California, and he was into doing things online for two weeks and had to go to his parents and say, I can't do this. He was really just um, so bound with anxiety and panic attacks, he had to drop out of school. Oh, my goodness. So she had called to say, hey, can you please help? So... We, we have that, even, even I would say in the last two weeks, um, you know, like we, every Thursday we meet with a couple high schools online and through a Zoom call. And we have been doing at the beginning of the year, we like to always do something that gives them 
vision, gives them an opportunity to dream. And that's so important right now, right? They need to be able to see beyond where we're at. And so we were on this whole series of, you know, let's let's put a a vision, some dreams. Because what what does the scripture say? Without a vision, my people perish. Right. Right. But with vision, we can flourish. So we were doing this whole series, and we got so many texts and calls and special meetings with students. It's like, I'm... I'm behind in my homework. I'm having, they'll say, mental issues, they'll tell us. Or um, another per girl, you know, broke up with a boyfriend. And, and in this whole situation where security and something that they've always leaned on, maybe it was a boyfriend, and all of a sudden he's sure. gone, they're falling apart. So we just interrupted the series we were doing. We're saying, no, we're just doing a time of prayer with you today. We are going to pray with you. And we do what we call... Um, breaking off prayers so basically it's like breaking those stronghold of what is the primary thing going on right now fear there's every the root of this thing is fear and so we're really attacking that um that's so good in fact thoughts what we just read in nehemiah you know he started out right before he says remember the lord and fight he said do not be afraid i think those two things about remembering the lord and picking up that spirit of the fight is actually how we confront fear you know, that's like, no, man, I'm, I'm going to remember the Lord's goodness and his help. And I'm, I'm, I'm strapping up, right? I'm like getting ready for battle here. And prayer really works because when these young people call and the girls will call and I'll say, okay, Kathleen, it's all you. Yeah. And so she's there talking and consoling them. But we always end with praying. And like she said, let's break some things off. And every time these young people respond with, man, I thank you so much. I feel so much better. And these are young people that don't go to church. They consider coming on Zoom or Google Meet their church, uh, uh, some of these, because they don't have a church. Right. And they're not, you don't have uh, Christian parents. Yeah, we had one girl in particular, and she said, because we just had a, um, another meeting with them recently, and we said, well, why, why are you coming to Be Strong Life? And uh, one young man said, well, I feel, I feel safe here. I feel so safe good. here. And um, another girl said, well, my family doesn't go to church, so for me, this is my church. Yeah. So, so. What, what, what you guys are actually even doing is like bridging where I, what I was going to ask you next, which is not only what are you seeing them face hardship, but you're already starting to give us, I think, some of the things I'm hearing of how then can we like help rebuild this next generation and how, how do we build this relational wall you know, for our kids, because they're not called to just do it themselves. Uh, they're, you know, they've been given parents, guardians, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles, or maybe even a neighbor, right? If you think, well, this message really isn't for me because I don't have kids in my life today. Guess what? You've got kids on your street. You've got kids in your circle of influence. And so what are some of the things that we can kind of take away of how do we start getting after this? Well, first of all, when we, get, we gather, we always celebrate them. We awesome. celebrate them. We want to encourage them. Whether it's like, how are you doing? Just be genuine about knowing what, what is going on with you. Yeah. And, there, and there's, some, there's some breaking down the walls and, and intimidation that takes place. But because they, they know you're genuine with them, right. whether it's your children, you know, just like take that time to celebrate. You are so amazing. I know that school is hard or difficult, but I just want to know, I just want to let you know that you are doing great and, and we're here for you. So celebrate them. Yeah, and even get creative with your ways of celebrating them. I know one family at Christmas time went up to the snow, dumped it at the back of their truck, and brought it to their home backyard and created a big slalom for their kids. So they had this new adventure. Um, we, we did the same for our daughter and our 25-year-old. We went to the snow for her birthday. Uh, we happen to have an RV so we could go so on. So even do that. during COVID, you created a special memory for them. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so, yeah, because the big word over uh, that you could say um, describes what our young people are dealing with is disappointment, mm. especially the the students that were looking forward to a normal graduation. They were going to go to grad night. We right. were, we were going to do this with our friends and that and couldn't do it. So, so because disappointment is so heavy, we want to do something that creates something really special in the midst of what's going on. So you really want to create a safe and nurturing atmosphere in your home. That's super important. And that can look like game night. That could look like, okay, 
you know, obviously a lot of young people might have, uh, they're, you know, going and playing PlayStation, whatever, but stop, put a pause on it, let's pull out some games. You know, my, my, my son and my daughter, they, he's just, he loves to play board games. And we get together and do that. Pray together. That's so good. Pray together is so important. You know, have that, spend that time of devotional time where you just like want to hear what they're, what they're feeling. Because a lot of times you'll have to just be discerning in the spirit to see where are your children? Where are they in, in, uh, in the realm of uh, uh, the thermostat? You know, yeah. are they happy today? Are they sad? Are they depressed? You know, so, so just have that pulse. As parents, we, we know what our children are like. And sometimes we don't. And I would say, importantly, after my daughter's on screen all day long with the long-distance learning, she wants to go somewhere. So we go for walks at the park, enjoy nature. Um, even if I just drive her to the dollar store, yeah, she loves that. <laughs> She's like, Mom, take me somewhere. Take me so somewhere. So I've, I've taken a lot of short trips every day after school. It's, it's a little so good. crazy. And for those of you who work full-time, it might not even be so doable, but... But I, she, I just want her to know she's not stuck behind a screen all day. That's good. So. Any last things? Any, any last thoughts you'd want us to, to remember? Well, just continue affirming them. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I believe that our daughter for a while was, you know, I'd go up to her and hug her. And she goes, oh, dad. But now I don't even have to ask for her. It's like, Daddy, kissy time. Kiss, you know, <laughs> so it's like... You know, it, but because they're they're wanting that. Yeah. You know, they're not seeing that. And one of the and things, we may not assume naturally that our kids would want or right. need that. But man, now more than ever. Right. Yeah, know know their love love language. I would say is really important. Yeah. Do they like acts of service? Uh, to do something for them? Uh, do they just like to hear words, or do they need touch? Yeah. You know, so important to be uh, connected with your children right now and spend really quality time every day with your child every day every day yeah. hey would, would you say thank you to ralph and kathleen thank you so much and listen i i, I know that some of you would like to probably learn a little bit more about be strong life if you could put up the website there um it's be strong uh, and uh, you're going to be able to find them there. That's B without an E, right? Just BeStrongLife.com. You can go there. You can see what they're doing in our community. Um, you can engage with them. And I think from there, you can even reach out and contact um, them. Remember the Lord and fight. Remember the Lord and fight for your kids. I think what we heard right there from Ralph and Kathleen was a huge underscore to that because what I heard is remember the Lord, like create an atmosphere of prayer, like actually lean into this spiritually with our kids and fight. And I just want to say one word to parents who you're, you're already like, I don't know if I can fight any harder. Like I'm already feeling maxed out because, and I know my kids are maxed out. One of the things, unfortunately, that could happen is like that we could begin to feel like I need my own isolation. I, I, I like, man, I, I do not know if I have another ounce of energy to engage with my kids at a deeper level. And here's what I would urge you to think about. You have this one opportunity during this very unique time to rise to the battle and to recognize that this truly is a fight for the next generation. And that while other people can't necessarily come alongside uh, the way that we normally would anticipate, God has put you there for such a time as this. So remember the Lord. What do you commemorate about Jesus in your home? We remember what we commemorate. So what are we commemorating about the Lord daily, weekly, uh, and even creating those special moments and opportunities that, that the Hernandez has talked about? And how do we just engage the fight with our kids? Every day, finding a way to put screens away, right? To turn them off and to turn towards each other. Whether it's around the dinner table, whether it's with a board game, or whether it's like just taking a silly trip to the dollar store and just taking a little break together are simple ways 
that we can pick up the fight for this generation. And man, I look forward to sharing with you really soon, kind of like next steps for the next generations here, how we're serving them. Our youth group is still able to meet every Wednesday night. Children, we're being instructed right now that that can't happen quite yet today, but it's coming soon. And I'm excited about that. And we're gonna conclude the service this way. I wanna, I'm gonna put uh, Ralph and Kathleen on the spot and Pastor Lisa on the spot. If you guys would just come right up here, Listen, these are people that pour their lives into kids. And I'm just going to ask, if you are someone who maybe we've been talking about today, whether you're in grade school, whether you're in junior high, high school, or maybe you're a young adult in college, but you're feeling like stressed and pressured right now, and you would like prayer. We will do this as socially distanced as possible, but I do not want you to leave this room today without recognizing that you are loved by God, you are loved by us, and there are people that are here to help. And I also want to say, if there are parents or guardians that are here today that need prayer, I want you to be able to come also and say, man, I just need to fill up right now. I need someone to agree with me in prayer because this is a battle, and I need to be reminded that I'm not fighting alone. You and our online audience, listen, if you go to our website, sm4.org. And if you just click on the virtual connection card, it's going to take you to a place where you're able to engage with us in conversation and say, hey, here's what I need prayer for. We would love to pray for you about anything, including how to begin a relationship with Jesus. That would be our greatest honor. Jesus, we pray for ourselves. Lord, as we remember you, but we're encouraged to pick up the fight. Lord, that trowel and the sword. Lord, to commemorate you, but to also be ready to engage the battles that we're facing in our lives. Jesus, we need your help. We need your help, but Lord, you are an ever-present source of help to us when we call out to you. So we do it now. Help us fight for our homes, Lord. Help us fight for the next generations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, you're loved. Um, If you need prayer, um, if there's other leaders who would like to come up and make yourselves available as well, that would be awesome. Um, The exits are on the sides. There's boxes there to give you an opportunity where you can give there as well on your way out. Church, you're loved. See you next week.